We're good. Okay. I probably won't walk around a ton. So, so welcome. This is the best Sunday of the entire year. Absolutely. And worship team, I have to say, I'm going to try not to cry. Your worship just reset the entire two years for me. Things have been off for two years, but the world got right again because of the worship that Jesus loves the nation. So, okay, I'm not going to cry. I'm going to hold it together. Hold it together. No, he'll make, he'll make it worse. He'll make it worse. Not his fault. Okay, focus, focus. Okay, so first I want to start out by saying um, I am indebted to Pastor Belkis Lehman, uh, the National and Diversity Director of Chi Alpha. Let me start my timer before I forget. Sorry, Belkis. Okay. Um, Belkis is our National Diversity Director for Chi Alpha, and I'm indebted to her as well as the book Beyond Colorblind, Redeeming Our Ethnic Journey by Sarah Shin, Bonhoeffer's Black Jesus by Reggie L. Miller, um, also Esau McCauley, um, Blanket, Reading While Black. Uh, they provided a lot of the content and background material for today's message. So let's pray before I forget. Jesus, we thank you that you are good. We thank you that you are the God of all nations. We thank you that every tribe, nation, tongue, language, and people will be represented in heaven because of your sacrifice on the cross. And we ask you would give us your heart for people, that you would heal the things that are broken and make us more into your image for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So this, I'm sure you're surprised to see that, but this is a picture of one of my favorite books as a kid. Charlie Brown's fourth superbook of questions and answers about all kinds of people and how they live. It was the 1980s, and we didn't have Google or Wikipedia, so encyclopedias were really big. I remember my twin sister and I each got one of these Charlie Brown encyclopedias for some special occasion. Kelly's was about machines, mine was about people and cultures. I have no idea why someone thought my sister would want to read about machines. If you know her, you know why. Um, but I was thrilled with mine. I loved pouring over, um, spend hours pouring over the articles of Japanese kimonos. Thank you, Chichihiro and Tomo, for providing mine. Um, Native American ceremonial masks, Chinese New Year. I was fascinated by stories of how different people groups lived and ate and celebrated. Find my water. Today we are going to dig a little bit deeper into God's design of ethnic diversity and how our ethnicity is part of our God-given identity and how humanity reflects God's goodness and beauty. Part of the journey will be looking at how God made ethnicity beautiful, but how people's rejection of God's rule over them has brought brokenness to our, our ethnicities. Then we'll see how Jesus comes alongside us to redeem our broken areas and use us to bring healing to others for his glory. This computer is not going up. Why not? Oh, different page. Maybe. I had to switch. Okay, a little technical difficulty, but... Um, it's okay. It's, it's working now. I just have to scroll to my right spot. Okay. Uh, first, let's get some definitions out of the way. We have a slide. Um, we hear the terms ethnicity and race used interchangeably, but they actually are different. Uh, I found these definitions most helpful for today. Race is defined as a category of humankind that shares certain physical distinctive traits. 
while the term ethnicity is more broadly defined as large groups of people classed according to common racial, national, tribal, religious, linguistic, or cultural background. Since today we're addressing ethnicity um, and race is a whole separate thing, we will use the term ethnicity. You'll also see the term Imago Dei up there. Um, for those who aren't familiar with it, it's Latin for the image of God. It refers to how the Bible talks about humanity being created in the, the image or likeness of God. We don't look like him, but we have characteristics in common with him, like our ability to create um, capacity for relationships and loving beauty and um, art. So to start off, everyone has ethnicity or ethnicities, if you have more than one stream running through you, including those of us who identify as white. To say that only non-white people are ethnic is presumptive, as if whites are the standard and others are other than. Irish, Italian, you know, uh, French, these are ethnicities with their own unique ways of handling conflict, celebration, and time, just as much as Puerto Ricans, Ugandans, Brazilians, and Koreans. Our ethnic heritage influences how families relate to each other, handle money, and the things we value. Each ethnicity was created by God for good and beauty to reflect his goodness. So let's take a look at the very beginning. We have a scripture on Genesis chapter 1, the first book of the Bible. 126 through 27. This thing is sticky. Uh, I'm sure you needed to know that. So verse 26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Jump to verse 31. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. Genesis goes on to describe how Adam and Eve would walk together in the garden with God in perfect relationship with him and with each other. From the beginning, we were created good, made in the likeness of God to be in relationship with him and reflect him to the world around us. In her awesome class, Journey into Unity and Diversity, Chi Alpha National Director, Diversity Director Belka Lehman states that the Imago Dei describes the value and purpose of humanity. Anything that belongs to God is holy. Humanity is made in God's image by God, so we are holy too. And our purpose is to bear his image in the world. Everything about humanity, including our ethnicity, is sacred because it was designed by God for his purpose. Each ethnicity and culture has elements within it that reflect God's beauty and goodness, and together we see a more complete image of God than we would in just one culture alone. One example, Hachar, um, a Muslim woman from Turkey, she was a, her husband was a student at U of M, cheerfully invited me every week into her tiny little Northwood apartment and offered me an ice-cold glass of water in the middle of summer despite the fact that it was Ramadan, and she herself was fasting water and food. She welcomed me into her home for conversation, even though she had a young baby who demanded a lot of attention. Before she and her husband returned to Turkey, they invited our whole family over for a wonderful evening of exotic, yummy Turkish delicacies and warm hospitality. When my daughter looked up on her shelf and admired a colorful hair clip, Hachar immediately presented it to her as a gift, 
they still have, my kids still have it, they wear it, and gave each of my daughters and I, me, um, a pair of Turkish hand-knitted slippers. Annalise, I think, still wears hers. Mine wore out, but hospitality under all circumstances, with joy and without reserve, was a beautiful gift from our Turkish friends, a reflection of God's own generosity. But sadly, humans decided that they wanted to be God, to decide for themselves what was good and evil. The first humans, Adam and Eve, decided to trust their own judgment rather than God's goodness and rebelled against the rule of God. A few chapters later in Genesis 11, we're told that while humanity still spoke the same language, they united together to build a great tower to heaven, exalting themselves above God. God saw the rebellion and divided the people into different languages, scattering them throughout the earth. That's the beginning of nations right there. Humanity rejected the rule of God in their lives, setting up their own kingdoms instead. Again, Belka Sleeman, to quote her, describes it this way. When we reject God's rule and choose our own, we, when we reject God's rule and choose our own, we reject his definitions, his morality. In the kingdom of self, God is not sacred and neither are we. This affects how we view our creator. He becomes a threat to self-rule. Our, ourselves, we become insecure, wor- worthless, empty. Each other. Others threaten our kingdom or become items to be consumed. So the Imago Day has been marred by sins like idolatry, which is misplaced worship, selfishness, and prejudice. Anything that transgresses our identity or that of others is sin because it seeks to redefine God's creation. As each of us pursues building our own kingdom, Our relationships with God, with ourselves, with others, and even with creation are broken by our refusal to trust God and submit to his ways. When we reject God's rule over us, we become our own gods and eventually refuse to honor the Imago Dei in others. As Sarah Shin points out in Beyond Colorblind, most of the major empires throughout history were built through the oppression of others, whether it be Japan's conquest of Asia, Europe's colonization of Africa and South America, the Aztecs kidnapping victims for daily human sacrifices, the decimation of Native American communities in the United States, or slavery and segregation also in the United States. Attitudes of ethnic superiority led to enslavement and the development of societal systems that benefited one group at the expense of others. Brokenness also shows up as a culture's strengths develop into idols, which becomes so important to people that achieving or holding on to that standard becomes destructive. Again, referencing Sarah Shin, she points out how in many Asian cultures, she is Korean-American, by the way, honoring your family and community through excellence is highly valued. But the stress of trying to live up to standards of perfection can lead to depression, frustration, and the breaking down of relationships. Among white Americans, The long-held idolization of personal excellence, diligence, and education in creating success often blinds them to the reality that our systems of justice and education do not work the same way for non-whites. But the good news is, the story doesn't end with our brokenness. Jesus restores us for better. 
God himself chose to enter time and space, to live as a man, die on a cross, and then resurrect from the dead in order to redeem his rebellious creation. We no longer have to be defined by our sin and brokenness. Quoting Sarah Shin again. <laughs> it's an awesome book. Jesus redeems our ethnic identities by affirming the created good in each of our cultures and by renewing, healing, and restoring the parts of our cultures that hold the effects of sin, brokenness, and idolatry. Gambian, 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 missiologist Laman Sana explains, every culture is like a water bay that anticipates the cargo of Christ. When Christ comes like a jet propeller plane, he looks around and says, look at these beautiful things in this bay. I made it this way. It bears the intended goodness of the creator God. Christ then looks at the brokenness, sin, and pain and says, let me excavate those places and fill them with myself. I think we have a picture of Kintsugi art. Many of you may be familiar with this art form. Kintsugi, the Japanese art of using gold, silver, or other precious metals to repair broken pottery, highlighting and embracing cracks and flaws to create an even stronger and more beautiful piece of art. The scars actually become part of its beauty. In the same way, Jesus heals the areas of our culture or ethnicity that have been wounded or broken by racism, division, or idolatry, turning the scars to beautiful reflections of his love and grace. As Jesus heals our wounds and brokenness, he sends us out into the world to be carriers of healing as proclaimers and doers of his kingdom. As we live out his forgiveness, grace, and compassion among others, God's name is honored as people see what kind of God we serve, a God of holiness, justice, grace, love, and healing. In Matthew 6.33, Jesus tells his followers, seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. Righteousness and justice are both translated from the Greek word, neo, forgive me, dikaiosune, which means righteousness isn't just individual piety. It's both personal and corporate righteousness, personal piety as well as seeking justice for others. The same is true in the Hebrew for words for righteousness and justice. You can't have one one without the other. In Matthew uh, 5, 6, the New Living Translation says, God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice. It's often translated righteousness, but the same word, for they will be satisfied. In his book, Reading While Black, Esau Macaulay says, hungering for and thirsting for justice, I would add righteousness, is nothing less than the continued longing for God to come and set things right. Jesus asks us to see the brokenness in society and to articulate an alternative view for how we might live. It's one really cool example of God using the healing in one group to bless another comes out of the Harlem Renaissance. Drink break. The neighborhoods of Harlem, New York, received many blacks during the Great Migration from the American South in the early 20th century. This great community of blacks fostered a new pride in their black heritage, as well as new expressions of music, art, and literature. For all the progress and excitement, the daily realities of racism remained for the black community. And it was the black churches that offered the main source of help and hope. It was into this world that German pastor and theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer entered in 1931 while a student at Union Theological Seminary. Shortly after arriving in the seminary, 
Bonhoeffer befriended a black student named Albert Fisher, who invited his German friend into the community of the predominantly black Abyssinian Baptist Church in Harlem. Here, Bonhoeffer found true hope in community, real Christianity for the first time in his life. Prior to his encounters at Abyssinian Baptist, he admitted that his Christianity was more academic than personal. He actually said he got saved while he was in Harlem. In Harlem, he found a church which asserted that God saw and cared for the oppressed, that through Jesus' death on the cross, God himself entered into suffering with his people. Abyssinian was a church that taught repentance and obedience to Christ's commands, and Bonhoeffer saw for the first time that Christianity impacted every area of life, including how he treated others. Only a year or so earlier, Bonhoeffer had declared that Christianity had little or no influence on ethics. Yet at Abyssinian, he learned from black Christians that sin and the hope of salvation included God's awareness of suffering and humanity's cruelty to each other. He watched his black brothers and sisters I'm losing my place here. He watched his black brother and sisters wrestle with everyday injustice by actively helping the suffering in their communities, praying and working for greater justice, as well as rejoicing that God was with them in their suffering. Later Bonhoeffer would write, quote, We are not simply to bandage the wounds of victims beneath the wheels of injustice. We are to drive a spoke into the wheels itself. End quote. Dietrich Bonhoeffer put into practice what he learned from his black brothers and sisters when he returned to Nazi Germany in 1932. He became a leader in the confessing church that opposed Hitler's anti-Semitism, and he lived out his faith by helping to smuggle Jews to safety and resist the Nazi government. He was arrested for assisting Jews and executed at the age of 43 in 1945. Dietrich Bonhoeffer's book, The Cost of Discipleship, has impacted Christians around the globe in its call for obedience at all costs to Christ. His faithfulness to this as he worked to protect the innocent in the face of great evil has inspired millions. The healing which, was Jesus, the healing which Jesus was doing among black Christians in Harlem touched this German pastor who shared it with the world. In the book of Revelation, we see a picture of all nations reconciled with God and each other in the fully complete kingdom of God. Andrew re- referenced this earlier. Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 10 says, I'm going to try and get through this. It's a really hard one. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne, before before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. It's significant that the Bible explicitly mentions ethnicity. Every tribe, nation, people, and language will be represented in God's perfect kingdom, a place where only goodness and holiness dwells. Ethnicity is eternal, and it is good. As we allow the Holy Spirit to conform us more and more into the image of Christ, we are able to live out our redeemed ethnicity, reflecting our good, gracious, and glorious God. As we wrap up today, a few action steps. As you go into the week, take some time to think about and examine your ethnicity or ethnicities, if you have more than one in your family heritage. In what way do they honor God? Hospitality? Honoring others? Joy and celebration? close family relationships, kind of think about those. 
And secondly, in which areas in your family heritage, your cultural and ethnic heritage, do you see brokenness from sin? Ask Jesus to bring healing to those areas in your own life, family and ethnic communities. So as we wrap up today, I know we all want to eat. It's good food. Um, but I want to give a, an opportunity for prayer. For those who would like prayer for Jesus to bring wholeness and healing in your ethnic journey, or for those who would like to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to be agents of Christ's healing in the area of ethnicity, um, you can come forward for prayers. The band comes up. We'll pray for you. I promise it won't be long. And then we'll dismiss for our international lunch. So if you would like to receive prayer, you're welcome to come up now. Hey, thanks, Cindy. Yeah, that was awesome. Hey, can we stand together? Uh, so the band is going to lead us in a song of worship. And just uh, to re- reiterate what um, Cindy has just said, if you would like to respond to her message with prayer, um, the altars are open. Just come on forward. Um, we can pray. We're going to have a couple songs here, I think. Um, and then after that, we'll give instructions on the uh, awesome lunch we're going to have together. But uh, thanks again for being here, you guys. Love you and appreciate you. And let's, uh, let's pray together.